Hello and welcome to On the Case. I'm your host, Michael DePoe Wilson, and thank you for joining us this month. Now, we have a special episode of the show for you this month, and I say we because our interviewer for this episode of On the Case is James Pruden, the editorial director for Anesthesiology News. And James discussed a rather interesting commentary about a case report of intracerebral hemorrhage following kratom ingestion. The commentary and the case report it references were written by Dr. Peter Papadakos, who is our guest this month on On the Case. And I'll include a link to the commentary and the case report, which was published in the Journal of the American Academy of PAs in the episode notes. I do have one last announcement before we get to the interview with James and Dr. Papadakos, though. This is the final episode of On the Case this year. We will be taking a break for a few months to produce the third season of The Etherist. But we will be back, so stay tuned for more updates. And even though we won't have a new episode for a while, I would still like to encourage all of you to submit a case report of your own that you would like us to consider. Just go to anesthesiologynews.com slash case submission and follow the instructions there for how to submit your case report to us. As always, we would love to see what you have. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this episode's case with James Pruden and our guest, Dr. Peter Papadakos. The new Anesthesiology News 2021 Summer Fall Buyer's Guide is now available 24-7 on your desktop, tablet, or mobile device. The Buyer's Guide gives you access to a wide range of new products for your practice, from airway management to ultrasound and everything in between. Check out the 2021 Summer Fall Buyer's Guide today at anesthesiologynews.com slash buyer's guide. Okay, uh, this is James Pruden, Editorial Director of Anesthesiology News. And today's on the case, we have Peter Papadakos, who's the Director of Critical Care Medicine and Professor of Anesthesiology, Surgery, Neurosurgery, and Neurology at the University of Rochester Medical Center. And we're going to talk today about a case report that was originally in the Journal of the American Academy of PAs. His co-author is a PA, Glenna Reagan. Um, and this was in the April 2021 issue. That's volume 34, number four. Uh, the title of the case report is Intracerebral Hemorrhage After Kratom Ingestion. And I just want to go um, take the 30,000 foot uh, uh, look at what Kratom is to start with, because I have to say I'm not too familiar with it. Um, We've reported in, in our sister publication, Pain Medicine News, quite a bit, but um, this case is uh, brings uh, kratom ingestion and adverse reactions to kratom into the hospital, into acute care, and so that's why we're taking a look at this case. So um, if you could give a little rundown, Dr. Papadakos, uh, I'd appreciate it on, on what kratom is. Well, kratom is a, a naturally occurring plant it grows in Southeast Asia in the jungles. And it's been used by the locals there for hundreds of years for uh, pain, as a stimulant, for treating diarrhea and nausea. It has become popular in the United States uh, through the internet with uh, the companies marketing it as helping an opioid addiction. Uh, of course, it is not FDA approved, not an approved drug, but it's quite, uh, quite uh, marketed here in the United States now uh, over the internet by 
innumerable companies. Is it sort of a like, a, you know, methadone is to heroin as kratom is to opioid? No, no, actually, kratom does affect the uh, receptor sites, the opioid receptor sites directly. Uh, uh, and it affects mu, the delta receptor sites. It also affects dopaminergic receptor sites and uh, uh, the alpha uh, receptor sites. So it's also a stimulant by affecting alpha and, dop uh, and dopaminergic pathway. I, I'm, this may be a little old, but I remember the FDA was, was trying to figure out whether they should call this an opioid or not. They, they've settled on opioid-like, I think, as the terms they use. But that may be old. I, I don't know. Do you know what the uh, FDA... You know, it is now uh, uh, the FDA has elevated to a drug of interest, which means they're studying it uh, because of, I think as the case reports of all the adverse effects start piling up, I think the FDA is being challenged now, just like you remember a number of years ago, James, that the synthetic marijuana substances were legal. Yeah. You could buy them at the local uh, gas station, liquor store, convenience store until we got all those case reports. And you remember all the colorful names that those drugs used to be marketed, you know, Spice. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these other uh, drugs. But I think Kratom is at that point now uh, that it, it's uh, an, uh, unlike the synthetic marijuana, it's a naturally occurring substance. And as more case reports come out about coma, seizures, hypertension, cardiac failure, uh, you know, psychosis and heavy users, I, I think the FDA is going to be having to focus on this drug. And as I, as I understand it, you know, at the moment, it's not a uh, Schedule One drug. No, it is not. Okay. It is not a Schedule One drug. Uh, and that, that's one of the problems I have, and I think one of the points of this podcast is to educate our anesthesia and critical care colleagues that if they have an adverse response, they need to report it to their local health authorities because local health authorities have started looking at this drug as more and more cases come out. As you know, uh, the colon rectal people have seen uh, uh, colostasis and liver failure from this compound. Right. Well, you know, in your uh, case report, you point out that they're, according to the, believe it or not, this is called the American Kratom Association. There's a 1 million users of Kratom. So it's not, it's not just some little thing. It's a major, it's a major uh, uh, problem out there. Um, it, it's a, it's a two-headed uh, problem. Uh, problem number one is that there's over a million people using it. Problem number two is most of the medical community is totally uh, does not know what this drug is. Uh, you know, it has not gotten the hype of, you know, the artificial marijuana, the spice and all those other drugs. It's kind of been in the background as this natural way to try to combat opioid addiction. And other than, uh, you know, some emergency room physicians and now a growing number of critical care physicians that have had to deal with complications, the majority of practitioners are totally unaware of this drug. And obviously something like this with all these 
receptor sites that are modulated, the alpha receptor sites, the uh, mu and delta opioid receptor sites, you know, there could be massive amounts of drug-drug interactions in the operating room and in the ICU that somebody may not be knowledgeable of. Right. Exactly. Well, let's go through uh, the case, if you don't mind. Um, uh, the 54-year-old man showed up in pretty pretty bad shape. I guess he was in a community hospital and then got transferred to your hospital after they realized it was uh, too big of a case for them. <laughs> That's correct, because that they sent them for a possible surgical decompression in, by our neurosurgeons, which eventually occurred. Uh, but he had a, a large intracranial hemorrhage and had uh, pretty marked hypertension at the other hospital. And we saw that hypertension. And by the time he got to us, he rapidly decayed. He became uh, completely delirious, uh, unable to protect his airway, developed chain stoke breathing and necessitated being uh, intubated, having very aggressive hypertension management done on him uh, by us, and then had to go to the operating room to be decompressed from this large intracranial hemorrhage. And he, so he was, he confessed to being a, a former, at least a former opioid abuser. That, that is correct. Uh, he had stopped using drugs about a year and a half ago, and it started by just word of mouth and internet, uh, to use this kratom substance, his wife told us that, and he had actually had, and there's various merchants, so the quality of the drug is unknown, obviously, when it's you know over the internet. Uh, and so he had a, a several smoothies uh, the day before of this, and about an hour after ingesting the uh, smoothies, he became quite delirious, according to his wife, felt ill, uh, she put him to bed and the next morning found him in the same condition and called 911 and got him to the community hospital. Playing devil's advocate, are there any, I mean, we have the, um, the uh, aspect of his taking these, these Kratom smoothies uh, and then falling ill, um, but is, you know, that, that's not necessarily enough to tie a straight definitive line between the two, is it not? Uh, no, it is not. But we also uh, did the extra thing of sending out, you can actually uh, bioassay this in the blood. And he had quite a high concentration in the blood of this kratom 24 hours later. So what the, the dose was that he ingested and the hypertension and heart failure and uh, pulmonary edema has been reported by other, by other people. So I think this is just an additive case to that. So I, I get the impression that there's a pretty robust case studies history with Kratom, but no real studies. That is correct. I'm, I'm going to use an example again, the, the whole spice episode. Yeah. I don't think we had a double blind randomized clinical trial looking at spice versus no spice. So I don't know if, you know, how you would get this through an IRB, a completely uh, unregulated substance whose potency is totally unknown and depends on each individual manufacturer and batch 
against the control. I think what's going to happen is that we're going to have a preponderance of negative outcome cases that are going to be looked at by the FDA. And then the FDA is going to analyze the science uh, in terms of the receptor sites. Uh, you know, having a, a substance, I don't care if it's naturally occurring, heroin uh, is naturally occurring, uh, modulating the, these receptor sites, the, the, the mu and the delta and kappa uh, opioid sites, uh, I think is not a safe substance to have out there being ordered on the internet by the lay public. Well, you um, outlined some of the case studies um, uh, in your paper, and um, you point out, and this is a quote, independent case reports have found kratom ingestion to be associated with intrahepatic cholestasis, seizures, coma, pulmonary edema, primary hypothyroidism, withdrawal syndrome, and death. Additionally, gastro symptoms, including nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, have been described as well as anorexia, weight loss, hyperpigmentation, and psychosis in chronic users. And there's a lot of um, withdrawal symptoms from Kratom, similar, it looks like, to opioid withdrawal. And um, so it, it, it comes with a, a, a good <laughs> degree of baggage, I would say. But yes. Yeah, it has quite the negative package. Uh, yeah. I would not invest in this company. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. Let's get back to the case. So just um, give us the physical, uh, just a quick rundown of his physical uh, examination. And then how did you manage this case? Well, I, I initially saw him in the emergency room with our PA, uh, Ms. Reagan, and he was totally delirious, not able to volunteer a history. And then rapidly, as I pointed out, decayed. We intubated him. We used uh, 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 cardine IV. To, to get his blood pressure down to normal uh, limits, not to uh, potentiate a bleed in his head since he was hypertensive. And then we uh, got our neurosurgical colleagues after imaging to take him to the operating room to decompress him. And after a surgical decompression, he was uh, with us a number of days. We again, managing his blood pressure, which slowly went down to normal and didn't need, and it looked like his medical history was such that he didn't have hypertension ever diagnosed uh, by his physician. Uh -huh. uh, then, you know, he, he did recover and actually volunteered uh, afterwards, uh, several days afterwards when I saw him on the regular floor, that he was using this kratom on a daily basis, sometimes several times a day. Sort of addictive behavior. Almost as a substitute yeah. for, uh, for, the, uh, for narcotics. Um, and he had a stroke scale of uh, NIH stroke scale of six, which is a, a pretty good moderate sized stroke. Oh yeah, he, he harmed himself. And he, but eventually um, he, he came off this incident without any kind of lasting deficits? Uh, he needed some rehabilitation. I, I have not seen him. Our neuro neurology colleagues have seen him and he's progressing quite well. Oh, okay. So uh, when it comes to your anesthesiologist listeners here, um, what's kind of the take home message for this? I, I, I think our anesthesiology colleagues, we, we're sometimes the only doctors that talk to the patients in a preoperative manner and get a history. And I think it's, uh, 
mandatory that anesthesiology providers start understanding some of these, I'm, I'm gonna call them internet available, at this point in time, legal drugs that have massive effects on the receptor sites, especially the receptor sites that we ourselves use all the time, you know, the narcotic receptor sites for uh -huh. post-operative pain control. Yeah. And that these drugs may be additive. So, and may be a reason for unexplained hypertension, an unexplained reason for seizures, an unexplained reason for heart failure. Uh, and, and, and the whole plethora of the complications that you get because anesthesiologists may have to provide emergency care of a trauma patient that had just ingested this substance or, uh, or somebody who comes from home with a, uh, you know, uh, a major trauma fell down the stairs and we don't know that he has this drug because it's not going to come out as a normal medication like hydrocortothiazine or insulin or metformin. You understand we need to ask the families about the drugs. Uh, and they usually volunteer some of the other over-the-counter substances that people take. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that. I mean, um, what is the likelihood of someone, uh, you know, let's say some you know, clearly illegal drug like heroin or something, if you ask a patient's family, um, does this uh, patient take heroin or opioids or of some kind, um, what percentage do you think actually will tell you the truth? You know, when the patient obviously needs help, they're in serious uh, uh, physical condition. I would say the vast majority of people understand that narcotics are deadly. Uh, yes, they have a, the reputation of being illegal, but I have, I have had families be truthful about drug alcohol, cocaine, methamphetamine use. And I have to tell you, after 35 years of practice, I can tell you that many patients are actually proud that they're taking these natural, you know, yeah. uh, drugs that, you know, you know, like just like people proudly tell you what vitamins they're on and supplements and zinc and uh, vitamin C. They think of this as a supplement. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. That's a problem. But we have to start asking patients about these drugs because there's, you know, the internet, uh, you know, in my experience now, uh, I, I can tell you, we've seen several other patients with complications of Kratom that I've reported to, to the government agency since this case. Uh -huh. This was eye-opening for me because I and my PAs, and the majority of our neurology staff and even our toxicologist wasn't quite familiar with this drug. Right. Only after the fact that we had this, I'll call it a sentinel case at our university that toxicology now is, is clued in on it. And the, um, so I think the main message is ask if there's anything that you really don't understand. I mean, if a, if, if a patient is, unco is unconscious, should you just generally put that in the, the bucket of questions you ask family members? Yes, because uh, as you pointed out, and I discovered is the American Kratom Association proudly says there's over a million users. That is a, 
that is not a, a minute population. No, I, I have to say when I read that, I thought I, I kind of chuckled because there's apparently there's a society for everything and the American Kratom Association is one of those societies. It could be that they're all so high, they don't know how many of members uh, people are using <laughs> and, and obviously there's probably if they claim a million members there, there's probably many fold more people that did not join the club yeah exactly they, they probably don't want to be on that list somewhere you know i i, I appreciate this and i i think we're going to uh, get a good response from our listeners because it is it's a very gray area and it, i kind of feel like the fda really has to step up and do something about this I think the FDA needs to start investigating this drug, and there's probably many more of these naturally occurring substances that are now being sold internationally over the internet. Yeah, I mean, the drug-drug potential interactions, you don't know what you're doing. It is amazing. You know, it's a, it affects opioid receptor sites, alpha uh, sympathetic uh, receptor sites, dopaminergic receptor sites and serotonin receptor sites. Yeah, I think that uh, is, is um, you know, your average person isn't going to know what that means, but I think your anesthesiologists obviously know what that means. It just means trouble. So, um, Dr. Papadakos, I, I, I think we're done with this conversation. I wanted to appreciate you taking the time to do this. Dr. Papadakos is on our editorial advisory board, anesthesiology news advisory board, and uh, obviously is a busy man. So I thank you for uh, taking this, this time to explain this case and thank your uh, co-author, Glenna Reagan. Thank you very much. Anything else to add? No, I, I think this is great that Anesthesia News is gonna try to educate our, uh, our readership on this. Right. Again, this is a widespread drug that I myself, after all these years of practice and being a critical care physician is only now we're seeing it here in Rochester and we, like I said, we've seen uh, a few more cases, you know, uh, people coming in having seizures from this drug. Yeah, I mean, we have, uh, as I said early on, uh, our a sister publication called Pain Medicine News has been reporting on this, I'd say for a good decade. And it just seems to go, it's just floating under the radar as far as the government regulators are concerned. It's the FDA just hasn't stepped up and, and done anything about it. And I, I you know, I'll give them enough credit to say, well, they're they're collecting data and it's probably on their, uh, you mentioned that it was on their watch list, um, uh, but you know, you can only watch so much. You got to do something after a while. So I, I, I would suggest they do something. <laughs> and, and I think one of the messages that we should point out to our anesthesia colleagues, those in the operating room and those uh, that work in the ICUs, that they should report this. If they think that there's a a kratom related complication, they need to report this because as the FDA gets more and more reports, it's more likely to act, uh, act faster. Very good, a good point. Again, I appreciate it and, and thanks a lot, doctor. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much to Dr. Papadokos for being our guest this month on On The Case. And thank you to James for a fascinating interview. And of course, thank you to all of you for joining us this month. And since this is the final on the case for the season, please consider leaving us a rating and review. Or you can email us with your thoughts and feedback on how the first season of On the Case went this year. And you can do that by emailing us at anpresents at 
mcmanmed.com, and I'll include a link to that in the episode notes. As always, thank you so much for listening. Anesthesiology News Presents On the Case was produced this month by me, Michael DePoe Wilson, and James Pruden, our editorial director. It was edited by Ken Christensen. Our music comes from Blue Dot Studios. The rest of the team is Richard Tordo, Justin Kaback, Blake Dennis, Betty Zong, Christian Janicone, Lucia Scanlon, Kwang Yi Chung, Sophia Lee, and Sam Steinfeld. On the Case is a project of Anesthesiology News, the most widely read publication for the specialty, and the McMahon Publishing Group.